Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today we are going to have two episodes coming out for you. We are going to be previewing the Friday bowl games of college football and then the Saturday New Year's Eve bowl games that includes the college football playoff. Um, We're going to be doing DFS previews for both of those days. You are currently listening to the Friday episode. The Saturday one will be coming out here later on this morning. The NFL episode that I do weekly will be coming out later on during the week, um, but the priority right now is college football as we are nearing the end of bowl season. So uh, we've got a five-game slate to talk about for this Friday slate. Lots of solid options, lots of guys that we can put into and out of our lineups. Um, and honestly, I got to say, I'm kind of thankful that um, you know they spread the bowls out this way. They didn't put a whole lot on one particular day. So we got a slate of five games on Friday and four games on Saturday, which works out pretty nicely. As always, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the podcast, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm also more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions on there that you may have for me. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and start breaking down this five-game slate with talking about the quarterback position first. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So honestly, looking at this slate, y'all, this is backup quarterback central. Five out of the ten teams that are going to be in action on Friday are not playing the guy who has started most of the season for them. So what it does is it actually creates a lot of value at the quarterback position. I think there's guys that are underpriced, not because they're not good, but because they haven't had time as the starter and haven't been able to put up stats as the starter. So let's break it down. Starting at the top of the board, Dorian Thompson-Robinson of UCLA, a.k.a. DTR. He is the top-priced quarterback for a reason. He's been the most consistent out of any active quarterback on the slate, and I think that UCLA ends up winning this game big over Pitt, who is playing with a backup quarterback. Um, DTR, just he's providing you a level of consistency and a solid floor that a lot of the quarterbacks on this slate are not. He would be my number one cash game option for quarterbacks, and I also think he does have the upside to be used in GPPs. Eight of his 12 games this season, he's been over 27 fantasy points, and the UCLA offense is one of the more consistent ones in the country under Chip Kelly. They've scored 28 points in every game they have played, so I have no problem deploying DPR or DTR in any type of lineup that you have uh, today. Now, second up in salary is Talia Tagovailoa, Tua's little brother. He is the quarterback at Maryland. Um, I don't think he's worth the cost, honestly. Uh, There's very clearly a line of demarcation when uh, little Tua has a good game versus when he doesn't. And he's been over 20 fantasy points in every game that Maryland gets to 30 real points. And he's been under 20 fantasy points whenever they're under 30 real points. Well, guess what? Maryland is implied only 23 points in this game. And NC State only gives up 220 passing yards per game. I think that this is going to like settle in as kind of a low-scoring game. So I really don't think it's worth the salary to play Talia Tagovailoa in this spot, in this slate. Now, looking further down the board, Joe Milton of Tennessee is my quarterback, two on this slate because he provides a lot of upside. Like, you think about how that Tennessee offense was looking under Hendon Hooker. Uh, Hooker's definitely a better player than Milton, but I don't see a reason why Milton can't have, like, maybe 75% of the production that Hooker did. Now, one thing that kind of hurts him here is that he's really only played two games Uh, One of them, he played three quarters in relief of Hooker, and he had nine fantasy points. And then the Vanderbilt game, he only had 10 fantasy points. That game was a massive blowout, so you can't really go by that. So 
You don't really know what to expect with him, but I just think there's a lot of upside because of the offense he plays in and because Clemson can kind of be had through the air. We've seen Sam Hartman, we've seen Drake May have successful games against Clemson this season. So, like I said, he is my quarterback two on the slate. My number one quarterback on the slate is Kate Clublink of Clemson. So, he had 27 fantasy points when he played three and a half quarters against North Carolina when they benched DJ in favor of Klubnik. And... You know, I know a lot of people might say, well, that's against Carolina. That's a terrible pass defense. Well, guess what? Tennessee actually gives up 11 more yards per game than North Carolina. So Tennessee is technically a worse pass defense than UNC. So I think that the matchup is there with that crappy Tennessee defense. And I think that he's just got unlimited upside because the talent is clearly there. And I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. And I think that the salary really makes K. Klubnik my quarterback one on this slate. Now, there are two value plays that you can find at the quarterback position. The first one is C.J. Harris of Ohio. He's gotten to start two games in place of an injured Curtis Rourke, and he had six fantasy points against Toledo and then 36 in the previous game before that. And so I think that he's kind of looking at – he's a mobile quarterback. He's a runner. So you're going to have upside for the rushing. And I think that, honestly, I don't think he's going to be very highly owned. I don't think people are going to flock to play C.J. Harris. So I think that you have a chance to get a low-owned, high-upside play because of that rushing ability, and I do think that Ohio ends up beating Wyoming in that game. Now, the last value play at quarterback is going to be Tyler Buckner of Notre Dame. So he started the season as Notre Dame starter, played against Ohio State and played against Marshall, and they thought he was out for the season, but now he is back, and he is expected to play in this one. I wouldn't say he's 100% like certain to play, but I would ex absolutely expect him to play. And... I think he's kind of in a good spot. He's a dual threat. He can run and he can throw. And he's got to be better option than Drew Pine, who they were playing earlier because he started the season over Drew Pine, right? Now, another thing that's really encouraging is that South Carolina's defense has given up 30 points in four straight games. And the fifth game, they gave up 27 points to Vanderbilt, who's one of the worst teams in college football. So I think that Notre Dame definitely is going to be able to score some points in this one. And if Buckner can do it with his arm and with his legs, I think he's in a really good spot to provide some value here on this slate. All right, that does it for the quarterback position. Let's now take a quick breather and switch on over to the ground game and talk about running backs. Looking at the running back position, the top salary option on this slate is Zach Charbonnet, and I think he's actually priced this high not because of his floor, but because of his ceiling. He has 250 fantasy point performances this season, so he definitely gives you a whole lot of upside, and the issue, though, is that Pitt is a stout run defense. They only give up 95 rushing yards per game, and so it's going to be kind of hard for him to pay off that salary if he doesn't like significantly surpass that total. So the interesting part with Charbonnet becomes, do you play him with DTR, or do you play him outside of lineups with DTR, so that way you gain leverage on people who do play DTR. So what it boils down to is that DTR is a mobile quarterback. And so if you want to stack up on the run game as a whole, if you think that this UCLA rushing offense is going to be successful, then you play DTR and Charbonnet. If you think that the passing game is not going to be successful, then you don't play DTR and you do play Charbonnet. So I, I would tend to say that for this slate, I would probably play Charbonnet as a standalone. But like I said, Pitt only gives up 95 rushing yards per game. So I don't know if I'm going to get there and pay this high salary for a guy who's going up against one of the better rushing defenses in the country. I think there's better options further down the board. 
Now, speaking of options further down the board, for Pitt, going up against UCLA, their normal starter, Izzy Abanaconda, is not playing. He is headed for the NFL draft, and this opens up the starting spot to Rodney Hammond Jr., and that is a pretty good spot for Hammond because he had 22.8 fantasy points in the one start that he got over an injured Abanaconda, so I definitely think he provides a lot of upside and provides a lot of value at his price tag. He is a guy that I'm going to be playing in some of my lineups. Again, that's Rodney Hammond Jr. of Pittsburgh. Now, if you want to talk about running backs that have a floor, Sia Bangura of Ohio has the highest floor of any running back on the slate. In terms of games that he finished, not games that he left early injured, he has 15 fantasy points in every game against a group of five opponent. And guess what? He has another group of five opponent today against Wyoming. So I think he gives a really solid floor. He's a great cash game option. And I think that he's actually going to provide a bit of upside that you can play in GPPs as well. It's not like they're going to let backup quarterback CJ Harris throw it 50 times. They're going to be looking to get the ball to Bangura early and often. Now, I want to talk about Will Shipley of Clemson. So he gets to go not only against a weak Tennessee defense, but I think that Cade Klubnick starting is going to give just a little more work to Shipley. So there's two games this season where Cade Klubnick played a lot of snaps. The first one was against Syracuse. He came in relief of DJ in the second half and played a majority of the second half. And then the second one was against North Carolina where he came in relief of DJ and played three and a half quarters. In that game against Syracuse, he had 30. Will Shipley had 35.9 fantasy points. And he had his season high in carries. Now, the game against North Carolina, he only had 14.4, but that's because Clemson was just able to throw it on North Carolina so easily. So I definitely think Will Shipley's in a good spot. And he's enough of a, you know, kind of a dual threat running back that can pass, catch, and run that I think you can pair him with Klubnik. And if you want to go full onslaught of the Clemson offense, I'm in favor of doing that against that very suspect Tennessee defense. Now, looking further down the board, Roman Hemby of Maryland is just a middle-of-the-road option to me, but NC State does not surrender a whole lot of fantasy points to ring backs, so I will probably pass on playing Hemby. A team that I do want to get exposure to is the Notre Dame rushing attack. They have three guys that have been pretty solid here down the stretch. Logan Diggs has been the leader in carries in the last six games total, but... I do like Audrey Gestime because he gets premium carries. He is the short yardage and the red zone guy. So if you're looking for a guy who's just going to run for two yards and fall into the end zone, it's going to be Audrey Gestime. The workhorse throughout the whole game is Logan Diggs, like I just said. And then Chris Tyree is kind of the explosive play scheme touches guy. He's going to get the ball on jet sweeps. He's going to get the ball on swings, on screens. They're going to find creative ways to get him the football so that way he can provide some spark to this Notre Dame offense. So I definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say play all three of them. I wouldn't even say play two of them in the same lineup, but I definitely want to get some exposure to that Notre Dame rushing attack. I do think they will be able to run the ball on this South Carolina defense. Now, speaking of South Carolina, Christian Beal Smith and Juju McDowell will be splitting carries in this one with the transfer of Marshawn Lloyd. Now, Notre Dame is a great rushing defense, but they are also missing some pieces on that front seven that are headed to the draft or headed to the portal. So I think that I would... In a normal circumstance, I would definitely stay away from playing running backs going up against Notre Dame. But I think that missing a few pieces definitely make Beal Smith and McDowell an option. I do not know how the split of carries is going to go, but between the two of them, I would be inclined to lean uh, more towards Christian Beal Smith than towards Juju McDowell. Now for Wyoming, their workhorse running back Tyler Swent has declared for the draft, so he is gone. 
it will be DQ James that is going to be leading the backfield. He's only $4,600, and he anchored the backfield earlier this season when Swin left the Hawaii game early. So I think that he is the guy that's going to be replacing him. I don't think it's going to be any of the other options that are there on the board. And I definitely think you can run on Ohio. So I think that DQ James is definitely worth a look there at $4,600. For Tennessee, both Jabari Small and Jalen Wright have been very good since Hendon Hooker got hurt. Between the two of them, I would lean towards Jabari Small. He just seems to be like a better player. Um, I think their carries are getting close to 50-50 lately, but I think that Small is the more effective runner and he's the better player. Um, but Clemson's a pretty stout run defense. So if you're going to be scoring points against Clemson, it's probably going to be through the air and not on the ground. So I would be more inclined to play Milton in that passing attack as opposed to um, Small and right for the rushing attack. All right, that does it for the running back position. Let's switch on over and talk about wide receivers. All right, so looking at this wide receiver board on DraftKings, honestly, this is one of the worst wide receiver slates in recent memory, in my opinion, Uh, especially for a slate with five games. This isn't a slate with two or three games where there's very limited option. This has five games. This has a lot of guys to pick from, and I'm just not seeing a whole lot of guys that I'm rushing to, you know, submit into my lineup. So let's break it down how we usually do by salary and by team. So the Ohio receiver core has been greatly reduced in production since C.J. Harris took over as the starting quarterback. Like I said, he's more of a dual threat. He's more of a runner. Um, So they're going to be getting less looks in the passing game than they have before. But the one good piece of information, though, is that he's kind of really concentrated his target share into two guys, and it's Sam Wiglas and Jacoby Jones. They're really the only two that C.J. Harris is throwing to. So I definitely think if you're going to play any Ohio receivers or if you're playing C.J. Harris, stack those two guys with them and ignore all the other names there. So Wyoming is a team that, on the other side of this game, they don't throw the ball a whole lot, which kind of leads me to be more inclined to play DQ James at running back at 4,600. And what makes matters worse is that their leading receiver, Josh Cobbs, he only had 35 catches on the year. He was their leading receiver. And he hit the portal. So you're looking at a receiving core where Wyatt Wyland is really the only dependable target left. And honestly, the rest of that receiver core is a total mystery. But I'm not really rushing to play other pieces of that receiving core when they're not going to be throwing the ball a whole lot. So there's other teams and other players that I would rather target than an inexperienced Wyoming receiver that is not going to get the ball a whole lot anyway. Now looking at the Pitt Panthers, they're basically like Ohio, a two-wide receiver room with Jared Wayne and Kanata Mumfield. Now Jared Wayne has flashed a lot more upside, especially with that 50% or 50 fantasy point performance against Miami. But Mumfield has consistently been a part of the offense, so I wouldn't discount Mumfield. And they're definitely... I think you got to give these guys a little bit of a discount because they are playing with a backup quarterback. But the good news is that those two guys are going to be the ones that are thrown to. It's an easier target share to predict than a lot of other situations in college football. And so I'm not opposed to playing either of those guys here on this slate. UCLA is probably the most interesting receiving core for this slate. So Casimir Allen was basically their Debo Samuel, and he is headed for the draft. He's a guy who was used as a receiver, as a runner, as a jet sweep guy. They, they just got him the ball all kinds of ways, like the 49ers do with Debo Samuel, and he's headed for the draft. So Jake Bobo has been the alpha wide receiver one all season. That will still be the case. I think he he still has a bigger target share than Casimir Allen, and he will have a bigger target share than the rest of the UCLA guys today, or Friday, 
in my opinion. Now, Michael Ezeke has been very up and down. He had three touchdowns against USC, and then he had a goose egg against Cal. So I don't think there's any kind of consistency to bank on there, but he definitely will give you a little bit of upside. Now, looking at the other guys, Cam Brown has been on the field consistently, even when Allen was in the lineup, and he could definitely see a bump in terms of targets. But the guy I think that might be a one-to-one replacement for Casimir Allen will be Colson Yankoff. He has, he's a receiver. He's listed as a receiver on the depth chart, but he actually has more carries this season than receptions. He has 33 rushing attempts and seven receptions this season, and he's seeing more usage as a rusher late in the season. He's playing basically Zach Charbonnet's backup, and he really rushes a lot in the second half, especially when UCLA has the lead. So if you think that UCLA wins this game, I think that Colson Yankoff is probably a guy that you can play and you know have him accumulate some fantasy points near the end of the game when they're trying to run the clock out. Um, so I definitely think when looking at this UCLA offense, if they try to just replace Casimir Allen one-to-one with Colson Yankoff, he's going to be an incredible value. Um, I definitely think Jake Bobo is worth the play. I definitely think Cam Brown is worth the play as well. Now for Tennessee, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, their two leading receivers, are headed to the draft. So what that means is this should turn into the Brew McCoy show. He has been at his best this season when uh, Cedric Tillman was out and it was just Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy. Well, now it's just Brew McCoy from that crew. So I think the Brew McCoy will be in for a big game. The other two guys that are going to be on the field with them are going to be Ramel Keaton and Squirrel White. Those guys are definitely worth a look as well. If you are targeting this Tennessee passing offense, it's McCoy, Keaton, and White in that order for me. Now for Clemson, Antonio Williams has been a late bloomer this season. He's been consistently getting the football a lot in the last five games. Davis Allen, their tight end, has also been in double digits for three of the last five games, including the North Carolina game where Cade Klubnik got a lot of the snaps. Joseph Ngata is the other one to look out for. He had five catches against North Carolina with Klubnik at quarterback. So I think that if you, like me, you're going to be playing Cade Klubnik, you can play two of the three between Williams, Allen, and Ngata. I would probably rank them in that order, Williams, Allen, Ngata. Um, and I definitely think that that is an offense that's going to be worth stacking here on this five-game slate. Now, Maryland and NC State have both been, um, they've both seen a lot of portaling uh, out of their receiving room. And so they're both kind of left with just one starting wide receiver each. And for NC State, it's Thayer Thomas. And for Maryland, it's Jay Sean Jones. Both of those two guys have had big boom pop games, whatever you want to call them. They both had major big games so far this season. And I definitely think that, you know, if they're the only target left, they got some upside, right? Even though this is going to be a low-scoring game, if they're the ones that are scoring the touchdowns, they're going to be having a little bit of upside. And I'm not interested in playing any of the normal backup receivers from these two teams because this is going to be a low-scoring game. Why would I play a punt play from a low-scoring game, right? Now, moving on over to the last game to talk about, South Carolina versus Notre Dame. Antoine Wells is a bit of a target machine, but I don't think that their passing offense is going to have a whole lot of success. I just don't have a whole lot of faith in South Carolina to score a whole lot of points against Notre Dame. Now, one name to look out for for Notre Dame, you know about Lindsey and Styles. They're still there. Mitchell Evans is going to be stepping into the starting tight end role for Michael Mayer, who is headed for the draft. We all know how they use Michael Mayer. If Evans sees that same kind of usage, he is going to be an extreme value play there at only $3,000 on DraftKings. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position, guys. Uh, So when looking at building a lineup, I am probably 
more inclined to game stack this slate with the Tennessee and Clemson game. I definitely want to be getting K Klubnik into my lineup. I definitely want to be getting some of those Clemson receivers and some of those Tennessee receivers into my lineup as well. And I think if you can afford to pay up at the running back position, paying up to get Zach Charbonnet and paying up to get Rodney Hammond Jr. is not such a bad thing at all. All right, so that does it for this Friday slate. I will be back here later this morning talking about the Saturday slate. And also stay tuned to the podcast feed. Our NFL episode will be coming out later this week as well. As always, if you want the full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks for some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show. And I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions. All right, best of luck to you guys in all of your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you all next time.